party gets control, you can expect some things coming to the church. Uh, For example, if COVID does not recede, and it doesn't look like it's going to anytime soon, we didn't think we'd be dealing with it now, hello? And if it doesn't recede, you can anticipate with a more left administration, here's some things you can anticipate. I'm not trying to be a prophet, um, and uh, God forbid that they happen, but here's what you can anticipate. Number one, you can anticipate a greater restraint coming to the church on gatherings. Uh, in California, for example, we've seen that played out, particularly a, a very liberal state. Nonetheless, um, they have um, enforced rules trying to, trying to say your group can be no more than 10 or 15, in some cases, people gathered. Uh, John MacArthur, you may have heard of him, a renowned preacher and minister of the gospel, um, they shut they shut him down. He complied with it, and to a certain point in time, he said, "Enough is enough." They began to regather. It's a very large church, even right now with COVID. They have over seven thousand people gathering. <clears throat> they had three people out of seven thousand test positive. The Los Angeles Times wrote an article about them and said this church is a super spreader. Three people out of 7,000, and they identified them as a super spreader. The church will become an easy target if this doesn't recede. By the way, we've had a lot of people. We've got 4,600 members. You've got to figure, as the largest church in this area, we're going to have a disproportionate amount of people uh, than a smaller church. Hello? And, um, and, and the vast majority of our people that have gotten it didn't get it here. We had people that got it. We feel like got it here, but the vast majority of them did not. And yet, um, I've heard things in our own community about uh, Ridgecrest. Don't go to Ridgecrest. Don't. By the way, we we use the strictest protocols. We spray this room down with a, a, a hydrostatic uh, sprayer uh, after services, and uh, both on on Wednesday, this thing will be sprayed again. And then on Sundays, we spray it in between services. We spray all the traffic areas in between services. The preschool and the children's areas uh, are are both sprayed and wiped down. So we're we're doing all you know that we can a protocol. But what you will anticipate, it will be used against the church. Now again, I'm not a prophet. I told our staff back in May, I said, y'all get ready, because eventually they'll make the church the scapegoat on this. Now, that's an attack from hell. It's not just from human, the human side. As I talked about Sunday, there's a spiritual war going on. If you were Satan, you'd use anything you could to shut the, the Word of God and the church of God down. Amen? And so you, you anticipate, you can anticipate, you'll see uh, greater pressure. If this does not recede, there'll be greater pressure placed upon the church to uh, uh, shut down and just do what we do by a video, or the pressure will be, you can only have Ridgecrest, you can have uh, 20 people here. Well, uh, uh, that's not even acceptable, and they'll say that about uh, a church all over. The next thing they'll do is what they've already done in California to several churches, and that is when they did not comply with those government mandates, they began to uh, uh, fine them. 
thousand dollars, and if you did again, another thousand. Then they start escalating the fines. Uh, today, uh, Matthew and uh, Chuck and I were eating lunch, and I got to talking about some of these things. And I said, "Here's what's going to happen. They're going to, they will first start fining us." And uh, and I said, "And who knows? At some point in time, they may say, Pastor, we're going to we're going to arrest you uh, because you're leading the congregation and you're not causing them to comply. Are y'all with me?" So we'll, we'll, we'll fine and fine and fine and we'll arrest you. Chuck said, he said, Pastor, he said, I want to tell you something. If that happens, it's next man up. He said, I'll be up. I'll step up. And he said, I'm going to, I'm going to send the same message as you. If they haul you off, he said, I'll be next man up. I said, no, come get me. <laughs> come get me. But uh, we, I think it's a real possibility, and again, if you've been here, you know I've been saying this is coming for a decade. And um, then they'll begin to uh, try to micromanage what we teach as culturally acceptable or not, and, um, which is a violation of our First Amendment rights and those sorts of things. So you can anticipate that, but they'll find what they're doing to some churches out in California is they just keep fining them and adding to the fine. And, and at a certain point in time, you can't financially bear it. And they know that. And so that's what they will most likely uh, uh, do um, uh, in the future if, uh, if a more leftist administration uh, has... Um, occupies the White House. And uh, by the way, uh, you know the, uh, that Kamala Harris is the most liberal senator in the history of America. Did y'all know that? She, and it's, it's in, uh, I mean, it's in, uh, well, you can track it down and you see it's not, a, it's not a secret, but she's the most leftist. And it's a good chance if things stay the way they are, she will be your president in short order, uh, which I think was part of the plan, to be honest. Uh, uh, God help him, uh, poor Joe. Did y'all hear what he said recently? Matthew showed me, you know, I mean, pick, take your pick, but he said about Jesus in the manger. He said the problem with Jesus in the manger and the American Revolution is that they didn't have airports. I'm glad to know. I, I, I said, well, somebody finally explained it. Uh, I, I don't even know how you connect those dots. But I, I think uh, it's very obvious that um, where you like him or not, and I'm not saying don't like the man, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying it's obvious uh, what's going on. So I say all of that to say you may have voted for uh, Biden and Kamala, and that's your perfect right uh, to do that, it is your prerogative in America. And so I understand that. That's why I don't tell you who to vote for. I just tell you, here's, here's the things that you need to think about when you vote. But I want to ask you something. So as things are right now, it's not done. Um, why would God allow a nation to continue moving left? All right, because we have distanced ourselves from him, right? And, you know, we talked about that in this prophecy series a few weeks back, America's moral distancing from the commands of God because we've distanced ourselves. He may say, I'm going to allow uh, this. And by the way, uh, 
whoever becomes our president has been allowed by God. Romans 13, and, and the Bible says it is God who uh, uh, sets up one and casts down another. So you just need to know that. Whoever's there, God has allowed it, but he doesn't necessarily allow it for the reasons that we think, oh, he, you know, so, all right, maybe he would allow something left to move, uh, to allow us to continue this moral drift left um, because we have drifted from him. And that would be called discipline, right? What's another reason? You have any other idea why God would allow those things? Because I've been asked this question all day long. Huh? Well, it could, I would put that in, yeah, yeah. The moral evils that we have not only uh, accepted, but we have perpetuated. Terry said uh, abortion. Uh, 63 million babies. And by the way, we don't condemn people that have had abortions. That's not... Uh, look, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We, that, that's not the point. But it doesn't make... Jesus also said, go and sin no more. Uh, and, and so we have a nation now that that just has become the norm. Um, so I would put that right up here, distancing ourselves, all of those things that would relate to that. But uh, what else? Anything else? Why would God allow what we're seeing right now happen? Let's just say in the election where it's in turmoil, we don't know what's going to happen. It can be a wake-up call, there's no question. In fact, I think, uh, and this may be another part of the wake-up call. God's already given this nation several wake-up calls. Uh, so it could be a wake-up call. How about this? Maybe God wants to do a miracle. You ever thought about that? So that no man can take glory. Now, I don't know how this thing's going to turn out, but I'll tell you this, it ain't over till God says it's over. And Yes. It, it could be, I would say it this way, not just unifying, but purifying. You know, purifying. And uh, pulling the church together. And you, you've, you, one thing we've noticed is there has, I've heard more preachers talking about that, this, this election year than any year that I can remember. Why is that? I think it's because suddenly the reality, and, and I've heard preachers that, that said last time around that they could never vote for uh, Donald Trump. Uh, one very prominent theologian in our nation wrote a, a response to another guy, and, but he basically said, I missed it the first time around. And he said, I, I know that, but he said, the stakes are too high. And, um, and I've heard more preachers on it. Why? Because I think I've been faithful to talk about it for 19 years. But I've heard more guys talking about it this cycle than ever before. And I think it's suddenly like getting whacked in the head with a two-by-four and saying, if you keep on going the way you're going, and, and still most preachers don't talk about this stuff. Well, you know, I sh you shouldn't, don't bring politics into religion and all that. You heard, if you didn't hear my message anymore, go listen to it because I explained. Were y'all here? Did you hear me explain? that the pulpit has always been associated with politics in this country. And uh, I explained some things there. But it might just be, think about this, that God wants to do a miracle. 
so that no man can take credit for it. And so I don't know. Uh, I know it doesn't look good right now what's going on. It doesn't look good for the incumbent. But it ain't over till God says it's over. And I, I think, and this is what I've told people, I, I said just get ready for probably an extended uh, fight until it gets to the courts. Uh, just, just, uh, um, so I, I thought I would kind of open up with that and then share some, something with you in response to this. If you have your Bible, open up to Hosea chapter 8. Hosea chapter 8. So why would, a, why would a nation, why would God allow a nation to continue to drift to the left? Why would he allow that? Look at this. This is, he's talking to Israel. In verse 2, chapter 8, are y'all there? To me they cry, that's his people, to me they cry, my God, we, Israel, know you. Israel has spurned the good, the enemy shall pursue him. They made kings, but not through me. They set up princes, but I knew it not. With their silver and gold, they made idols for their own destruction. I have spurned your calf, O Samaria. My anger burns against them. Isn't that interesting? I don't think there's a better or a more fitting description of America than that. Verses 2 through 4. Um, I, I think So sometimes God says, look, God says, enough is enough. I'm going to allow you to do what you shouldn't do. Um, and, uh, and so sometimes you have to understand. I told my wife the other day, she said, what do you think? I said, I think God may give us what we deserve. Well, and God has limits. And by the way, I said it Sunday, as we advance to the end of the age, darkness will grow greater. Now, we know who wins. Uh, the light wins. Christ wins. But the Bible's clear that the closer we get to the return of Christ, the darker the age. When we're going to talk about that, at some point in time, we're going to get into those things. This is a good lead-in, really, uh, to that. I want you to turn to another place. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 1. And let me show you a couple of things there. I want to just follow. And by the way, we don't have time. I, I may give you a, one more snippet from Scripture of some things. But um, let, me, let me just walk you through these verses here. Um, again, this does have, I believe, some bearing on America, and that's what we're going to be talking about in prophecy. But look at verse 18 in Romans 1. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Um, God is a gracious God, but that doesn't mean he is an ignorant God. 
and that he turned. It doesn't mean God just turns his eyes and said, well, just let, let them run their course. They're just children. They're just let them, let them do the thing. God has incredible patience. And that's the why, that, that's, I mean, that's one of the remarkable things about God, isn't it? And frankly, you and I couldn't feel those shoes. Because my patience would run real thin real fast. You know, if I were God, I'd be, I'd be buzzing everybody. See? But God has this incredible love and patience. And we do uh, oftentimes, Peggy, um, we want people to know the love of God. We want them to know the love of God. It is the love of God that is so attractive in His patience and His grace and mercy. And all of us are the beneficiaries of that. Amen? But we can't ignore that He is a righteous God. And unrighteousness and righteousness are not compatible. And there comes a point in time when God says, enough. Now, Peter writes and says, God is not slow as some consider slowness, but he is patient toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If you wonder why God has just not poured out his wrath on this world, not just America, I mean, in fullness, it's because of his loving patience. But it does have limits, and there comes a point in time where he, and by the way, he, he will sometimes, you know what his wrath looks like? Sometimes his wrath looks like letting a nation or a culture live with the consequences of their own choices. So we go on. Verse 19, for what can be known about God's plan to them uh, they suppress the truth, right? Why? Because what can be known about God uh, is plain to them because God has shown it to them. Ah, we don't have time to look at this. Write down Psalm 19 that will help uh, reinforce that. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. Uh Here's what he's saying. Disbelief is an act of rebellion against common sense. He said, Nobody's, nobody has an excuse. He said, he has manifested himself in, in creation alone. And um, I had a man I talked to who went to uh, a planetarium. Recently. He said, Ray, you've got to go to it if you can. It's, uh, oh, it's at the Space and Rocket Center in Huntsville. And he said, what they've done is they've used photographs from the Hubble Space Telescope, which is a remarkable thing, and they formed the sky. Have you ever been to a planetarium? And they formed the sky from these Hubble Telescope actual photographs of space, and they wove them together in such a way you don't see it as photographs. It, it, it forms the dome of the planetarium. And he said, it was absolutely remarkable. Unlike any planetarium I've ever been to, he said, and he said, but as I sit there, I'm looking and I'm listening to the guy who's telling them all about stuff up there in the universe and those sort of things. He thought, he said, I thought this, there is no way that this is all a product of chance. There's no way that this just evolved, that this just kind of happened accidentally and came together and here we are. 
And I said, I oh, know, when you really start studying it, you, it there, you have to at least admit there's intelligent design behind all of this stuff. But, but we're not told that today. What we're told is it just all kind of happened, you know. You've heard of the Big Bang Theory. You've heard of the Big Bang Theory is there was an explosion out in space of these elements. And from that explosion, the universe was birthed with all these stars and planets and and by the way, we're just one universe uh, in, uh, among many in the solar system. And uh, I asked a scientist one time when he was talking about the Big Bang, I said, well, let me ask you something. You say these elements all uh, uh, rushed together and they exploded, I said, and that formed everything. I said, who created the elements? These elements that you're already saying existed, how did they come into being then? If they could even run, merge together, he didn't have an answer for that. Uh, so the Big Bang, I do believe in a Big Bang. God said it and it happened. Boom. Go back and read. And he said, go back and read Genesis 1. But here they say they suppress the truth. And God has made himself known. Look into the heavens. Look uh, around you at the, the earth itself and the intricacies. And so he says they're without excuse. Uh, so the next time, stop worrying about people on the globe that have yet to be reached and, ex and had the gospel explained to them like it was explained to you. God has already told us right here that he's already made known to them. And they don't have an excuse. They have to respond to the revelation he makes known about himself to them. Billy Graham tells a story some years ago about a, a uh, tribal people who had never had contact with, uh, with humans. Did you know there are still tribal groups like that on the globe that have never had contact from anybody outside? And this particular uh, missionary uh, and his wife were uh, trying to make inroads to this tribe and meet them, and finally they did, and they began to try to learn the language and communicate with them. And over a period of time, they were they finally developed a, a workable uh, ability to understand each other. And the story Graham tells is that the missionary, uh, after he got to the place where he could communicate with uh, the chief of the tribe, he began to try to explain God and, and Jesus. And something remarkable happened. The chief said, Jesus, oh, that's who you call him. We've always known he existed. We just didn't know his name. Wow. God, that's what Paul said right here. God's made himself known. Uh, and so they're without excuse. So you, it, that's a little side thing. You don't have to worry. Um, Look at verse 21. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Uh, and then th look at this verse, verse 22. Claiming to be wise, they became foolish. Um, my brain is wired analytically. My brain is wired very logical. And, I, I, and, and for, for many men, that's the case. They have, they're very process-oriented, one, two, three, four, five. And if it doesn't make sense, they have a hard time squeezing it in. And by the way, guys, this doesn't cost you anything extra. That's why you need to listen to your wife sometimes because she doesn't process stuff the way you do. It comes in here for her. 
It's emotive. That's not bad. It's good. It's the way God designed her, and you better learn to listen to that. And so sometimes she'll just say, yeah, I know, one, two, three, four, five, I know, I know. I just don't feel good about it. I learned the hard way years and years ago when I was young in marriage that when my wife says, says I just, I don't know, I just don't feel that I needed to listen to her feelings. That's a check and balance system that God has put in your life. But I'm very analytical. I'm very logical. You, you know, y'all have been here long enough to know that I tend, even my sermons tend to flow like that kind of thing. And, and rationale, that's a huge thing. What's your rationale? And you know that. And um, I, I told uh, our guys at lunch, we were talking, I said, you know, one of my biggest struggles is it doesn't matter the logic behind your argument. Uh, those who have already decided to pursue an agenda throw out logic and you can't you can't you can't argue a, a, an idea I don't mean argue but I mean you can't argue a point or an idea because it's emotional completely emotional uh, and so they just kind of throw out any logic well that's what Paul said claiming to be wise they became fools and look what they did they exchanged the glory of the immortal god for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things idols they began to worship anything but god verse 24 therefore this is very important you see this repeated two more times therefore god gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. And for this reason, here it is again, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another." men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves a due penalty for their error. And verse 28, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind, a reprobate mind, to do what ought not to be done. Now let me just tell you what that means. God gave them over. God gave, he let them, what he, Remember I said sometimes the wrath of God is he just lets you do your thing. And because there's a way that seems right to a man, the Bible says, but the end is the way of destruction. So God sometimes just says, okay, I have warned you, I have instructed you, and, but you continue to defy my instruction and my, my commands, and so have at it. You, you think you know better? Have at it. Is that not America what I just read? Is that not America today? And many other nations for sure, but I don't live in those nations. And, and so God gave them up. God gave them up. God gave them up. Three times, he says, or God gave them over to a reprobate mind. He gave them up to a debased mind to do. Now, let me tell you what a reprobate mind is or a debased mind. It is a mind that no longer can receive truth. But what it does receive, it thinks is truth. Okay? So what it receives, it, it, what it is willing to accept, it receives says that's truth. But in reality, it is no longer capable of the truth. 
receiving the truth. And that's what a reprobate mind is. And so that's why if you're a logical person, you say, I try to explain this to somebody, and they go, yeah, but what about, and it's all emotive or it's all based on feeling, but it has no legitimate rationale to support it, and you'll get very frustrated because you can't say, but here are the facts. Here are the facts right here. It's the old, uh, don't confuse me with the facts. My mind is already made up. And um, what we are seeing in this culture is something that lawyers talk about, or they used to. I don't know if they still do. And they used to teach lawyers this. I need to ask my son-in-law this. Did you get taught when you were in law school, did they teach you that if the facts are on your side, argue the facts? If the truth is on your side, argue the truth. If neither are on your side, scream and shout and pound the table. And that's where we are. Don't confuse me with the facts are not on my side. The truth is not on my side. But I'll just scream and shout and I'll label you and label people and I'll keep uh, repeating that. And it doesn't matter whether it's true or not. I'll just keep on repeating that and repeating that, repeating that, repeating that. And eventually, um, it sticks in a culture that is driven by their feelings. And that's what he's talking about. So God gave him, oh, you want to live by your feelings? You want to do it your way? I'm going to let you do it your way. But it is a way. And he says this, did you notice? Commit, men committing shameless acts with men. This is just an example. But receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. In other words, they destroy themselves. They receive the consequences of their actions. And so God just says, hey, do it your way. I'll let you destroy yourself. I love you. I've been trying to warn you. I've been trying to, to move you in the right direction. But if you won't go, I will. And here's what, by the way, all nations need to be careful about, and that is not assuming that they have some national right to survive that God owes them well why would he why would he allow our nation to fall every empire in world history has collapsed at some point in time did y'all know that all the greatest empires have collapsed at some point in time a nation should never assume that they have the right to survive and by the way neither should you or, or I I have a I have uh, in my workroom off of my uh, office, I have a, um, a little plaque. And on that plaque, I got it several years ago, and I kept it where I could see it from time to time. It says, and it's a reminder for me, it's just for me, I don't have to survive. And it is to remind me that God is not dependent on me to get his work done. I don't have to survive. I want to tell you something. The problem with with many times in America is that we have assumed that we've been such a great nation. We just, we have a right to survive. And God may say, I don't know if he has, I think he's in the process. And I'm not talking about this election. I just think he's been in the process of saying, you, you want to keep going this way? It will eventually be the path of ruin for you. We don't have some, God doesn't, God does not owe us anything. Hello? We owe God everything. 
Uh, we sang a song a Sunday morning in one of our services, and w- some of the words were, God, you don't owe me anything. And he doesn't, does he? He doesn't owe us anything, but we owe him everything. And so we don't have this built-in inherent right to survive. Now, I'm going to show you, though, something that will help our survival, but I'm probably going to wait till next week now. It's five till. Um, and, and, and I'll tell you, but let me finish this up here. So God, verse 28 is where I am. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to, uh, to a debased mind to do what, is, uh, what ought not be done. There's, uh, the, the prophet Isaiah said, woe to them who call good evil and evil good. And when you have a debased mind, that's what happens. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They were full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but look at this, but give approval to those who practice them. Not only are they characterized as themselves, they affirm others who do this. Man, you're doing the right thing. You know, don't, be, don't be restricted by God or God's rules or God's laws if they even mention those kinds of things. Um, and so that's how they live out their life. Um, let me mention, go over there. We've got three minutes left. So I want you to go over to Deuteronomy chapter 28. Now, I will go ahead and tell you the first point in the outline. This is not related to this, but this only affirms it. Um, the first point in the outline that you picked up, I assume you picked those up on the way in. If not, you know, they'll be out there on the table. Uh, it's 14B, part 14B of the last day's uh, series. Um, we're, we're beginning to talk about America and Bible prophecy. And I will tell you something, that America's destiny is tied to Israel. And I'll talk about what that means. Uh, but uh, in, in Deuteronomy 28, I'm not going to read this. It's a long chapter. You read it. This is homework, okay? You came to church, you get homework when you leave. Read this chapter. And what it is talking about, the first 14 verses, talk about God desiring to bring favor to his people. Now you say, well, he's talking about Israel. Do you know if you're a Christian, you are now a part of the family of God's people? And so what applies uh, principally uh, to God's people here would apply principally to us as we live our life. The Bible says, Paul said, we've been grafted into the vine. Okay? So, um, So the first 14 verses, here's what they do. They talk about if you will obey me, if you will live by my statutes, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to favor your fields. I'm going to give you rain. I'm going to bless your offspring. I'm going to, and on and on it goes, lengthy. Uh, to, this is what I'll do for those who will uh, obey and follow me, okay? And by the way, I think America can look back. If you look back at our 200-plus years of existence, and there's, without a doubt, there's providence involved in America's formation and the favor of America for so much of our history. 
And so he says, if you'll obey me, if you do it my way. By the way, when the Puritans came to America, they, they called it the city on a hill, a light on a hill. They called it the New Jerusalem. They were coming to a place that they believed was an opportunity uh, to have an existence that would glorify and honor God as a nation at any rate. So verses 1 through 14. Uh, but when you get to verse 15, well, look at this, and I'm not going to read this, all of this. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God, be careful and be careful to do uh, all of his commandments and his statutes that I command you today, then these curses shall come upon you. And by the way, the curses are far more than the blessings. It goes all the way through verse 68. And if these curses, cursed you shall be in the city, and cursed you shall be in the field, cursed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl, cursed shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of the ground, and cursed shall be you, uh, uh, cursed shall you be when you come in, and cursed when you go out. The Lord will send on you curses and confusion and frustration, and all undertake this. And Lord will make, listen to this, verse twenty-one. The Lord will make the pestilence stick to you until he has consumed you off of the land that you are entering to take possession. Y'all know what pestilence is? It's disease. It's sickness. Uh, and look at this, verse 20, the Lord will strike you with wasting disease and with fever, inflammation, and fiery heat. Now listen, he's talking to the people of God there. We always think that's what he's going to do to them out there. He's talking to the people of God. You know what he's saying? I don't. I understand that lost people act lost, but saved people know better. And if they don't, there are consequences. And he goes on and on to to list what those are. But several times he says, "And there will be disease, and the disease, uh, the disease, will consume you." I don't know. You say, Pastor, are you saying this? I I don't know. You know, I've learned not to tell God what he's doing. But I will say to you, when you start reading Scripture and you see and you examine our land in relation to what the Scripture says about those who defy God, you you have to sober up a little bit. So I say all of that to say, um, there could be a number of reasons. And if somebody said unifying the church, I think that's true. And I think purifying the church. They tell us that as a result of COVID, one in four churches will fail. Hey, let it not be us. Hello? But they tell us one in four churches will never reopen. They will fail completely. And um, uh, God forbid, I hope, I don't know how they get arrive at that, but but uh, one in four will not, let it not be us. Let us keep uh, uh, sharing the message of the gospel and the love of God. I can't stop what the culture does, and neither can you. But we can be lights in the darkness. And by the way, the darker it gets, the brighter the light. You notice that. A, a flashlight in a, a lit room, you can see it, but when you turn the lights off, it's very strong. So let's be lights. No man lights a candle and puts it under a bushel, Jesus said, but he sits it on a hill so the whole world can see. We have an opportunity to be that, just that. Lights uh, in, in darkness. God may yet do a miracle. I wouldn't put it past him. I told my wife, she said, you, what do you think? I said, I said, God may do something so grand that nobody can say anything, but God did it. Uh, God did it. Um, and uh, we'll see. You know, if he doesn't, we still have an obligation to pray for our leaders. Hello? 
And, and by the way, if he doesn't do some miracle in the outcome, not only do we have a, a responsibility to pray for our leaders, we have a responsibility not to act um, uncivil. We're not going to start burning people's stores down and businesses and all that kind of stuff under the guise that we don't, we don't like what the outcome. And we have a responsibility to act like lights. Okay? Well, uh, we, we, next week, we'll, next, I said that two weeks ago. Next week, we will get into the outline. The outlines are on the table out there. If you want to pick one up, we'll have more out there next week. And we're going to jump into things like what America's future is tied to for it, it prophetically and the future. Okay? Uh, before we go, is there anybody here and you're not sure if you died, you'd go to heaven, but you'd like to trust Christ as your Savior tonight? Anyone? Anybody here uh, that says, I've trusted Christ, but I need a church home. I don't want Ridgecrest to be my church home. Anybody? I will tell you, every week we're having people join us. Although I had another family join us uh, this past week. I, I praise God. Uh, for that. So it's a neat thing to see people confessing Christ and p people joining our family. Imagine if we all get to get back together, how neat it's going to be to have all these new people uh, in the congregation on it. Uh, all right. As you leave uh, this evening, they're offering baskets. If you've got an extra dollar or two, if you don't, don't worry about it. But if you do and you want to drop it in the baskets, we use all of that for benevolence. It doesn't stay here. It goes to help people in need through our association. Appreciate you being here. God bless you, and you're dismissed. <laughs>